Welcome back to Avid Outdoors Podcast. We're sitting next to Josh Ermer and Dan Herbst. We're talking elk hunting. Stick around. Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Dave. We're charter captains from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. We're also avid outdoorsmen. We love hiking, hunting, fishing, camping, and just being outside. We want to connect you with the experts in the outdoors and hear your story. We're stewards of this planet, and we want to make sure the hobbies we enjoy today are available for generations to come. This This is Avid Outdoors. Well, gentlemen, it seems like you guys had a great kickoff to your fall. You just got back from Idaho a few weeks ago, and... um, Sounds like a successful hunt, which we're going to hear about today, but um, other than that, Dan, introduce, introduce yourself, and Josh, do the same as well. Yeah, hey, everyone. Uh, Dan Herbst, um, background, actually uh, work in sales in the hardware industry, and um, yeah, I just got back from Idaho. Uh, this was actually my sixth season uh, elk hunting, and um, which you'll hear about in a little bit, it was a heck of a year. So. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I'm Josh Ermer, Owen Gobbler Ridge Calls, and Ermer Sawmill. Was this is my second round being on Abbott Outdoors podcast? So thank you guys for having me again. Sure thing. Um, as long as you keep delivering content, you can come oh. back as many times as you want. <laughs> I'll do my best. All right. Just for you, Dave. Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, well, Dan, I know you kind of got Josh into hunting, and and we want to start off because we've had um, well Mitch, elk hunting, elk, elk hunting, elk, yeah, elk, elk hunting. yeah. He's, had, he's going to return the favor by getting me into some turkey hunting. There you so, go. Yeah. But uh, we had Chase Nation on the on the podcast a while back, and we talked about public land hunting. And it's this whole DIY, over-the-counter stuff is becoming such a big thing, um, especially now with COVID. People are out and about doing stuff. And mm. I guess we can hear it from the horse's mouth how you guys got started doing the Idaho thing, the, the elk hunting, and it was all archery, public land. And all, I mean, you can almost get over-the-counter tags in Idaho, and we'll talk about that, but uh, kind of kick us off. How did you start elk hunting in Idaho specifically? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, six years, not everything's been in Idaho, um, and really this started actually seven years ago, so I did miss one year. Uh, the year uh, my wife and I had our first uh, kid, and I had shoulder surgery, and so I took one year off. But um, I was going to say the child is probably not yeah, an excuse, but yeah, the, the oh. shoulder. <laughs> I had to have a shoulder surgery that that year. I actually didn't even get to bow hunt until like first week of November. But um, so yeah, so that was like more of the excuse. But yeah, I just tell my son I love him so much I missed elk hunting for him. But he was born in March, so it's like when he grows up, eventually he's going to be like, Dad, that's not a good excuse. <laughs> there you go. Especially there you when go. he's coming with me. But, yeah, so it started out, uh, my dad used to do this uh, with his brothers back, you know, in the 70s and 80s and uh, rifle hunting and stuff. And, you know, we got talking and, you know, I'm like, man, I really want to do that. I was getting really big into bow hunting. And, um so the first couple of years, we actually went to Colorado. So we hunted Colorado for three years. The first year, um, one of the guys, uh, my dad's buddy, shot a, a pretty decent 5x5. Five five. Um, and then we kind of went dry a little bit, uh, went to Montana for a year after, you know, we were kind of getting a little bit tired of Colorado and uh, tried Montana. And then um, we were going to go back to Montana, which was actually the year Josh was going to come yeah. with the first, the first year. year. And Montana totally switched up, like, kind of their tag system a little bit. And and we could talk about that later, about tags and, you know, things like that and getting into it. Um, so we were looking for other places where they were kind of open to over-the-counter. Um, push. And, <laughs> and uh, 
um, and we kind of landed on Idaho is kind of one of those friendly states where a lot of people don't really know you can hunt Idaho over the counter. Um, but so we kind of just started doing some research. They had some pretty good success rates and um, just kind of landed on an area. And um, that's kind of how we started hunting Idaho. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll kind of tell from my perspective that you can tell yeah. from yours. So yeah. um, Josh actually hit me up. So the year I did not go hunting, um, Josh had actually hit me up and said, you know, you know, just from Facebook, see you've gone on elk hunts and, you know, I want to do one. And can you give me some pointers? And because I was looking to go solo. Yep. Or at least cause it was hard to find somebody to go out and do it. So. Yeah, so, and I'm like, man, I'm more than happy to give you some pointers, and, you know, I'd done it now, I'd done it four years, so it's like I know a lot of not what not to do. Um, <laughs> at that point, I still hadn't actually killed an elk myself, so I wasn't, like, going to give them false expectations, but it's like, I have figured out what not to do, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and I have learned some stuff on what to do, so we actually met up and, uh, you know, gave them some pointers, and the next year I, you know, kind of hit him up after the season and like, Hey man, did you go on your hunt? Did you know, how'd it go? And, and he unfortunately didn't get a chance to go. Nope. Um, and I was just kind of like at the, like looking back, I don't really know what I was thinking. Cause I just love elk hunting, but I was just kind of like, well, Hey man, if you want, why don't you just come with me? You know, like we can go. And, and Josh and I, like the only, we haven't really talked or in oh, years. I mean, we, it's you been want, a long time. It's been yeah. since high school. Yeah. And, which was like 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it has been now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's when, yeah, so it's just kind of like, why don't you just come, you know, like I'm going next year. We're going every year. Like if you want to go, like why don't you just, you know, you can tag along with us and, you know, we'll go. Because it was typically it's always been my dad going, my dad's buddy, and then myself. My one brother came one time, um, but most of the time it was just the three of us. And so I was kind of like, well, you know, my dad and he was kind of like, hey, we got to get you in on a hunting partner. So we're going together. And and uh, so I just kind of like reached out to, yeah. to Josh, like, hey, man, you want to go? Let's let's go. And uh, it's actually been really, really good, like really good. It's been a blast. Because um, it's kind of like one of those things when you hunt with somebody, you don't know like what, how they're going to hunt or, you know, what they're like really until you get like 10 days in a tent or you know out in the woods <laughs> like you know it's like man am i gonna want to like kill this guy halfway through or like is this yeah but uh that might be anybody that you go with even yeah. your best friend <laughs> at all. by the end of 10 days uh, <laughs> out in the wilderness but yeah. yeah but it's been a blast and um i mean you know hunting is like one of those things too as far as just growing friendships getting to hunt with somebody i mean it's it's been good so um yeah so then now this was the second year tagging along and uh yeah awesome. i think you'll keep coming hopefully we'll see <laughs> oh I'll, yeah. I'll be. <laughs> elk hunting is in my blood now so it, and it's not gonna go away I'll that's be. all he talks about i mean it's yeah like, i just like making tyler jealous a little oh bit my yeah. God. <laughs> you have no idea no, no. I mean, you you mentioned tags and stuff, and you bounced around from state to state, which I actually didn't know until you mentioned it, which is great. Now, talk about that a little bit, because, you know, getting tags can be kind of a little bit of a daunting task for out-of-state hunters, so how did... Intimidating. Yeah. 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 Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, Colorado, I mean, a lot of guys would attract so many people to Colorado, is you can literally drive there. Buy your tag right there over the counter at Walmart. Go out and start hunting. Um, they don't put a cap on non-resident tags. Correct. Okay. Um, and, 
Yeah, so they don't put a cap on it. There's way more units to hunt, especially archery season for over-the-counter than most states. Um, and so that's, and they also have the largest elk herd. Yeah, in the in the United States or in the lower forty eight. Yeah, and much and they, and they really do have bigger bulls there too. I mean, you see a lot of these guys and some of these bulls these guys take in Colorado over the counter. I mean, it's they they get some big big bulls um, over the counter, and so it, it attracts a lot of people for that for that reason, um, you know. But it also attracts a lot of people, so you do run into a lot of people when you're out in the elk woods, and to a first time hunter that can be intimidating if they don't really know what they're doing. Um, but if that is your plan and somebody wants to go to Colorado and kind of the quickest as far as kind of a last-minute planning, it's a great option because you can literally just drive there and buy a tag. Uh, most of these other states, you know, Montana, um, Montana tags go on sale, uh, I believe, typically March. Um, and our Idaho tags that we buy go on sale December 1st. Um, so we're already in the next month going to be buying our tags for next season um and a lot of people don't like to somewhat maybe commit that amount of money to a trip that far in advance and that's why i think a lot of people you know maybe don't take advantage of some of those states um because then they end up they usually end up selling out well especially with covid and stuff i mean idaho this year sold out by april was it i mean you mid-june mid-june i bought my tag the first week in may and then yeah, like a few weeks later, I ended up selling out. So, which was the first time I, got, I think. Yeah, in... the, the previous year it sold out like September first, or not September, August first. Yeah. So literally a month and a half earlier than the previous year. Yeah, in Montana, um, Montana's a little pricey. So Montana, you can do and apply for their general tag. It's a thousand fifty for that tag. I don't know if it's going to change next year or anything. So somebody gets on there and it's more don't like hate me okay um, i haven't hunted there in three years now so but um but it's like a thousand fifty but you get a mule deer tag you get a black bear tag and you get an elk tag um and now montana you can only kill one antlered animal a year so if you so if you see a nice you know buck muley you can shoot it but now you got to kill a cow elk you oh. know kind of thing so um so and if you apply for that general tag you're going to get it I mean, and then they have their general tag units, you know, like Colorado does. They also have their specialty draw units like every other state. Um, but it's a good option, um, especially if people want to do a longer trip. You know, some guys that are retired, want to go hunt for a month. You know, you get a lot of time to shoot three animals. Um, there are other tags then after that, they go to just a general sale public online. And typically they had like 4,000, 5,000 leftover tags, but... Uh, the year, and that's why we ended up going to Idaho, was that year they only had like 400. Oh, and they went from you could call in your tag and just buy it over the phone to online only. And everybody went online and literally crashed the website. and So we weren't able to get our tag, and, and then we started looking into uh, to Idaho. And, th- and then that general tag just for elk is 950 You know, for an extra 100 bucks, you can get a mule deer and black bear and guaranteed your tag. So if you want to hunt Montana, that's probably the way to go. Um, and then Idaho, we got to just look in and you can buy their over-the-counter tags. They, what I like what they do in their system, um, is they, they put it into like different regions yeah. and whatnot. And Josh, I guess you can talk about the region, you know, just as far as their, maybe their way of doing it I mean, a I, little bit. I don't know. It's just, 
it's kind of nice. I, in my opinion, the thing I like about Idaho is, and other states versus Colorado, they've actually put a cap on non-resident tags. Now, Idaho is reducing their non-resident tags for 2021 hunting season, but um, if, in my opinion, it's just kind of nice that they actually put a tag on or a cap on it, so that way you know you don't have the issues like in Colorado, unless you like hike in a long ways. The one thing I felt really good about when you guys you know my first year going in you guys actually asked me what my input was for like between colorado and idaho and i think the thing that drew me to idaho was you don't have to worry about muzzleloader hunters that's, that's during true. archery yep. season forgot about that yep so that's another big bonus if you're archery hunting um but as far as the the logistics of the idaho tag i don't really know a lot in depth about it except just the area that we hunt and uh but yeah as far as idaho though that's what kind of drew me as yeah. far as picking idaho yeah and as far as and and that price now this year what was it it's going up to like 918 918 i think year. we figured now we paid 650 six, 650 for the tag and then you get your fishing license you have to get a required three-day fishing license yeah and there's an archery permit in there too um, but yeah, this year, since they're reducing, the, they're actually reducing the amount of non-resident tags, uh, for 2021, but they're increasing the price tag to make up that difference. And, so. and really the pricing is just kind of getting a little bit more in line with States around yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got, you know, to the North Montana, they're getting a thousand bucks and Idaho's sitting at 600 some and, you know, Colorado's still sitting at 600, but yeah. it's, to me, it's like, okay, a couple extra hundred bucks. I mean, for some, I mean, it's really for us it's not i mean once yeah. you go and you get it in your blood it's like okay whatever you know yeah, yeah basically uh, not not a big thing but um the other thing you know with idaho you know you just got it and that's the thing if you know you're gonna go you're just buying it in advance so yeah. it's and for the first time hunters i actually think that's an advantage because typically we do you know a lot of guys we talk about diy over-the-counter archery hunting and yet the biggest question i get is what's it cost and after you kind of get your kind of base frame of gear and stuff like that, you know, if it's somebody brand new doesn't even own a bow and stuff, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you got to get a bow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a few hundred bucks or, you know, depending on what, how big you want to go. But, um, I basically, I think this year I ended up spending, I upgraded a little bit of gear. Um, I probably spent 1500 bucks this year to go on a, and that was, we hunted a full nine and a half. And that's days. including the tag. Price. And that's with the tag price. Um, so by getting your tag in advance, it's kind of nice because it would spread that cost out to a new person that they're not, you know, you go to Colorado, you're dropping everything like right there. Um, so as far as kind of from budgeting a hunt, it kind of helps out because it spreads out that expense a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, then that's like one of the things that you get questions about is tags. And I think you guys covered that really, really well, but now you, I know Dan. You mentioned that the first year that Josh was out there was the first year you hunted Idaho. How did you pick the area? And you don't have to specify exactly <laughs> what area you went to, but and how did you? I think they do. They, uh, no. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> how did you? I mean, because like Idaho, I've looked at their website and stuff, and they have a great website as far as like uh, showing success rates uh, mm-hmm. on and size of elk and all that other stuff in yep. for archery and things like that um now did, did you use that or how did you come about picking the unit and then how did you come about picking the area that you wanted to hunt because i know you guys tented camped and all that other good stuff so yeah. um 
I think, well, the first year we went out, uh, we just did, honestly, we, we spent hours and hours on the phone at night, e-scouting and uh, doing a bunch of other stuff as far as like, okay, well, what about this area? What about that area? I think legit, like we legit have like 25 areas marked on our Onyx maps. And um, so far we've only covered like maybe up to five areas. Yeah. But a lot of e-scouting, Onyx maps is like, you have to have Onyx maps in my opinion. Even if you're a turkey hunter around here, deer hunter. But Onyx maps helped us a lot on pinpointing uh, certain areas in Google Earth. Um but yeah, I mean, yeah, and one of the big things with that is using Google Earth, using Onyx, using the websites to find success rates. Yeah. And one of the biggest things for for me too was because I get the opportunity. I love hunting with my dad. Is that my dad's sixty two this year? You know, mm. so it is a little bit of what kind of terrain did we want to hunt? Because if you look at Idaho, Idaho can get nasty. Yep. I mean, you get up in the panhandle and, and stuff like that, that is just some, like, nasty, nasty, nasty terrain. Um, you know, so a little bit of it is looking at what kind of area do you want to hunt and what kind of physical condition do you think you can handle. Now, you're not going to get a real sense of that by Google <laughs> yeah. Earth and Onyx Maps. You, like, look at an area and you might think, oh, that's not going to be so bad. And then, like, yeah, there were, there were a lot you of get out there and it's like, pointed. oh, my gosh, this yeah. is horrible. Yeah. This is, like, what were we thinking? Yeah. We thought this was, like, a flat prairie and this is, like, steep. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so a little bit of it was, you know, trying to find an area, too, where I knew that my dad and, you know, and his buddy that goes, uh, Rob, that goes with us, um, you know, he's in his late 50s, you know, it's like making sure those guys are able to get out and enjoy the hunt and have an opportunity to kill some elk too. Um, but also at the same time, it's an area where, you know, Josh and I can go back in, you know, six, seven miles. We get yeah. into some real nasty stuff, but it's not going to like kill us, you know, yeah. as, as flatlanders. So, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, Google earth onyx maps. I mean, they're, they're a must have for, for, uh, for really getting into it and finding an area. And from my standpoint, they, these guys were doing it a lot longer than I was. So like, I kind of let them take the reins and I'm just like, I'll do whatever, like <laughs> wherever you guys want to go, I'll go. That's basically what my mentality going into it was. So I felt but, a lot of pressure. Cause it's yeah, like, no, nah, cause well, Josh could like, Hey man, what'd you send me here for? But uh, yeah, no, 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 it was great. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny. Like when we were getting together and stuff and talking about like, you know, and watching all these elk hunting shows, like born and raised outdoors and all that good stuff. It's like, and Dan's always like, well, it's not like that. Like you hear all this, <laughs> yeah. you hear all this bugling and stuff. And oh it's my like, gosh. Yeah. he's like, it's not like that. Well, we get out there and it was exactly like, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So we get, so we hunted Colorado like three years. I may have kind of just diverted this conversation yeah, totally. a little yeah. bit. So, so now that, so, so when we're driving out there for the first year, I was I like, I'm getting to know Josh too, like as a person. And it's like, Dude, he'd never even been out west. Hell no. Like, he'd never even seen, like, mountains. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you're in for a treat. Like, you're not going to want to leave. And then, so as we're talking, I'm like, I know you've been watching a lot of videos and, you know, whatever. And you and I'm like, you know, when you get out there, you know, a lot of those guys are hunting, you know, ranches and stuff. You know, if yeah. you're, like, on Outdoor Channel and stuff. And they're just bugling all over the place. I'm like, it ain't like that. Like, it's not going to be like, I'm sorry. You know, these elk, they they're get pressure from public land. They're usually quieted up. Well, that was Colorado. We got out there 20 minutes out of the truck, the boom, bull bugling. bugling. And it's like, holy cow, was I wrong? You know, and I mean, it was yeah. the whole trip last year. I mean, this year, I mean, just you laying in your tent, you can't even sleep because there's bulls bugling yeah. a thousand yards from your tent. It's just like, holy cow. It's That's just crazy. crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, sorry. Sorry to kind of divert that a yeah. little bit. Where were we at? Oh, talking about yeah, finding areas. Down finding, yeah, yeah, but like honestly, like we picked out a lot of different areas, and I felt you know even though I wasn't out there and never hunted out west, being a newbie looking at all these areas, basically like like oh well that's not a bad area. I know we kind of covered that already, but it was just like you don't really get for a new hunter going out west. You don't really. I don't know how to. You got to get boots this. on the ground. Yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, you got to get. You got to just put in the work. You really uh, get good at reading a topo map <laughs> real quick. Real quick. <laughs> you know, you look at something all summer long and then you really start getting good at reading a topo map like once uh once you actually get out there. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion, cuz yeah. I never really knew how to read one until I actually got out there and you can actually like look at different areas that you had looked at all summer. And, yeah. So. Yeah, and the other thing as a new hunter definitely um, you know, as far as uh there's a you know, Elk 101 University yeah. is out there, and it's pay. You gotta pay. I think it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, it was like for hundred bucks a year. But it's it's with Corey Jacobson, and you know he's renowned elk hunter, elk caller. You know, like eleven time world champion. I mean, yeah. the guy knows what he's doing, and he lays out. And in there, he's got a specific, you know, e scouting and like what to look for. You know, how to identify saddles, north facing slopes, and you know all those things, which is where elk are gonna be bedded and where they're gonna be hanging out, and how to get into that. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, there's, it's overwhelming how much stuff, but, and then when you guys got out there, uh, I guess, Idaho, how does camping work and stuff like that? Because you guys had a base camp and spiked from there? Yeah, so basically, you can basically camp wherever. Yeah. Is what, I mean, we were, our base camp was set up off of a, like a logging road, really. Yeah, yeah, dirt road. Yeah, it was a dirt road. Um, I think it was probably, I don't even know how many miles it was off the main road, maybe three or four. Maybe more than that. More well, the main road is a dirt road. Yeah, the main road is a dirt road. From a paved road, yeah. we're probably fifteen miles off a paved road. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. so yeah, basically, you can camp wherever. Find a flat spot and put your tent up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it really is that. I mean, it's you get into an area, you kind of look. The main thing is looking at what kind of terrain where you want to hunt, and then just kind of find. You get to that area, and like we had a couple. Before we got out there, we had a few pinpoints of, okay, we yeah. think we want to camp here. But until you actually get out there and you can actually kind of roam around and find, hey, this is a nice spot. Um, for us, because we're out there. So my dad was actually out there for three full weeks. So he hunted 20 days. He's retired. Um, <laughs> so the main thing is. Retired. Like, yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. And uh, we're out there 10, but still it's, you know, get something near a creek so you can get water, fresh water, you know, get water source um and you're filtering your water with different things and stuff so you got to kind of keep some of that in mind a little bit especially if you're going for a long period of time um but yeah you can pretty much on any you know national forest land you can basically just park a tent and and uh go crazy so and then how did you go about hunting every day did you guys um i mean you had base camp and then you spike camp from there yeah so we actually only like spike camp two nights and one being the first night we spike camped the next day I shot my elk and then yeah. we hauled that one back um that night and then Take got it taken care of yeah. and then we went back out that next that next afternoon and hunted and then uh the next morning after our second night spike camping Dan shot his bull so we only got to spike camp twice yeah two which nights is not a bad I mean, our, it wasn't bad, yeah, but. our camp was set up there for like six days, yeah. but we only were in it two nights. So. Yeah. But we set yeah. up, we just got into an area where we knew the elk were, and we picked out a spot. And for me, like, Dan was complaining a little bit about where I set, where 
the area that we found because <laughs> it was like pickup sticks with all the deadfalls and everything. Uh, but we are in grizzly country and there's a lot of bears. So you kind of got into an area where, you know, everything could be like, you can kind of be shielded, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. So you could hear something if it was coming into your tent area or whatever. But, um, but yeah, but our spike camp was set up four miles from, from our base camp. So, yeah. yeah and how we kind of found it is we knew that kind of the, were the elk were. And so we knew that, um, you know, kind of where to start. Cause this is our second year. And this was actually the first time elk hunting where I had gone to the same place twice. So I knew, so we knew that the elk were going to be there. And, um, so we were able to set up, but they do move. So the biggest thing is always, um, being mobile as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we do at this point now have two wall tents that we set up, but you know, you can, we can get those up and down in 45 minutes, you know, and, and move if we have to. Yep. Um, and the biggest tip for, uh, you know, pro tip or elk tip, uh, pro tip 3001 3, is if you hunt an area for like two days and you don't see any fresh sign or hear any bugling or see fresh tracks, fresh rubs, move, just, just just go somewhere else, you know, uh, and just keep moving around. And like I said, that's where the biggest thing for a new person is just get boots on the ground and cover. I mean, I think in our nine and a half days, we did over, we did just over 80 miles hiking. But when you say move, like what kind of tracks are we talking about? Like how, how far are you moving from that spot then? Probably, it really depends on what we're hearing. Um, like, there was one afternoon I can really remember. Um, it was our first day that Dan and I went solo. And um, I think around 2.30 in the afternoon, we... Uh, you got to adjust this a little bit? Very good. Okay. Um, it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh I just heard a bunch of bugling off in the distance. So I'm like, you know what? I can't sit here anymore. I got to go. And I just went and moved. And um, I ended up going, what sounded like maybe a, a few hundred yards, realistically was like two and a half miles. And uh, just to kind of get an idea where these elk were. And Dan was probably from where I was originally, was he was maybe only a half mile, mm-hmm. something like that. Probably. And something like that. And But Dan couldn't. Where Dan was sitting, he couldn't hear all that bugling. So I ended up finding this like bull area that had four bulls bugling. And basically that after we found that, that's kind of how we based I would say I would yeah. safely say like the rest of the, the rest hunt. of the hunt. Yeah. We hunted that we hunted the same canyon all nine and a half days. Yeah. So we were in a spot where we didn't necessarily have to pick up and move base camp. From actually the time my dad got there, we had that base camp there for 21 days, um, and we hunted out of it. But we were fully prepared that if the elk weren't there in two, three days, the game plan was we were going to move actually probably as a crow flies. The other area we are going to hunt was about 20 miles away. Okay. Um, So um, long answer to the short question, but it it can be anything from where you're going to move on a day-to-day basis and where the elk are. And if they're just not there, you need to just move somewhere else. And so be mobile. Don't, you know, so we've had, we, our onyx points, I mean, from the one end of the farthest one to the farthest one is probably 50 miles, um, in the area that we can hunt. Um, so you might have to move that far, but, um, it's just about trying to find them. And then once you find them, 
you know, stay there. Don't move. Yeah. Well, it's helpful to think about too, because I, I've never been out West either. So I've, but it would be cool. I think sometime in my life to go out and do an elk hunt, at, you know, given my schedule as a, as an elementary school teacher, we're not really given that amount of time off. So I don't necessarily see it in the, in the near future for me. However, just to kind of wrap my head around, you know, what that is, like when you say moving, I don't know, does that mean a walk? Like I'm going to walk two miles. Am I going to pick up and load everything up in my truck and then book it? You know, so that's helpful to know. So that's, um, just to, to kind of wrap my head around this, you know, I basically all I have for judgment on this, on this is hunting shows. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, when I see Steven Ranella going out and, you know, that's where he is for that week and he blows out a spot, you know, the first day and then it seems like, well, that's where he is. I don't know. So it seems oh. like uh, there's other options. So that's that's awesome to know. Like completely yeah. different thing than what I was expecting really, I guess. So. Yeah, and when you watch, I mean, the biggest, I mean, for us, for helping elk hunting and learning elk hunting as a first time, you know, Born and Raised Outdoors oh has really gosh. been, I mean, those guys, one, they do a day-to-day series on their stuff. I don't know if you guys are familiar with or have seen their stuff. So they do a, every day is, you know, an episode of their elk hunt. And they elk hunt for like 45 to 55 days. They in go five, to in five, in five states. states. I mean, they move all over the place. And really taking the time like this year i really took the time and literally watched every day now they're not killing a bull every day but there's so much content in those videos and so many tips in those videos and those are guys where it's like you know they'll be hunting and they're it's slow and you know you might think man this this hunting show sucks because they haven't shot a elk in four days you know but then like the (laughs) next episode they've literally have moved like 30 miles to a completely different area yeah and then they'll you know they'll get into elk and they'll kill one there so there's so much, there's so much that go into like tactics that with elk hunting, you know, um, it's just, there's going to be a lot of long answers to short questions. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, I know that Josh, you mentioned when we were discussing it, it's like, it's like turkey hunting on steroids, mm-hmm. you know, because it is. I mean, everything that you're explaining, we do the same thing, but for turkeys, but exactly. our move might be a hundred yards, 100 not yards. a mile. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it definitely all makes sense. And and it's good. This is all really good information. I'm glad we're getting, like I said earlier, from the horse's mouth DIY hunting. But let's get into the nitty gritty, get into the dirt, and talk about what happened. The bloodbath in Idaho <laughs> yeah. that happened this year with you two. Dude, so I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't even know where to start. You guys want like the whole thing? Like, well, I mean, I mean like, at least like, yeah, the days of the hunt. Pinpoint us where you guys want us to go because there's so much there is we can like, cover. Yeah, we could be here for like 10 hours. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> we're drinking a lot of beer. Oh, yeah. boy. We're going to run <laughs> out of beer. Got school teaching yeah. so. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you two both had very different yeah. kills, as we talked yeah. about earlier before we started recording. Um, so, I guess, I mean, talk about... Well, I know there's some dirt in there too that Dan lost. You lost a bull, yep, right? Did, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is still running around. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's running definitely. around with a muzzy hundred grain in his shoulder yeah. right now. So yeah, I could talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, kind of start from from there, like you, yeah. the day you lost your bull and how you recovered, and then you guys went and ended up you ended up successfully harvesting two elk, yeah. one piece. It was good, good hunt. So talk about it. Yeah, so we got into the area, and um, I'm even going to start maybe, you know, 
first afternoon out of the truck we were hunting oh, yeah, two we hours were, we were in the, oh, right after away. josh got his beauty sleep in which is a great <laughs> video going around <laughs> facebook oh, yeah, on that so um <laughs> after he got his beauty rest we were in the elk that first afternoon yeah. so we knew that we were in a spot where there's elk you know so we kept hunting that same spot you know that's the next day i had a five by five at 25 yeah, yards we had a, yeah i mean five by five 25 yards get a shot. Get a shot. yeah <laughs> you know so and we seen and then like you know, he went away, and like ten minutes later, we had like we seven tried, cows. Yeah, and, we tried making a move on that bull because yeah. he was going to go around. It seemed like he was going to go around the mountainside, and when we were trying to intercept him, all of a sudden I seen him. He was in front of me. He's like, "Stop, stop, stop!" You know, and all of a sudden we seen a cow come through, and then another cow, and then another cow, and there was probably I don't know eight or ten elk. There was a bunch of cows, a couple calves, and then I think there was one raghorn bull. Yeah, one raghorn. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Um, they were like a hundred yards and, yeah. and actually I, that's, that's the first hunter and only hunter we actually saw in the woods yes. was that day on day nine and a half days and one hunter. One hunter. Okay. Yeah. So, which is awesome. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then we ended up finding a really, really nice wallow that day or the next day. I can't remember. I think, I All those days run together, but we found a really nice area. wallow area, yeah. um, that you could tell was being worked. And so and then Josh kind of had a spot in mind to go, and so we basically were like, you know, I'm going to sit this, and he kind of talked me into it a little bit, which was which was good. It ended up turning out to be a good day, yeah. but to sit that wallow and hunt him like a whitetail, kind of. Yeah. Know? So we built the ground blind that day. We got into a nice hailstorm right after we got that, so walked four <laughs> miles in a hailstorm getting beat up. That was bad. That was bad. That hurt. And it was big. <laughs> yeah. Big hail. And, uh... You know, so that next day I went in there early, sat that thing from like nine until three, and I couldn't take it anymore. I'm just like, man, I can whitetail hunt like this at home. Um, this is like not what I want to do. <laughs> so I had actually jumped a bull walking in that morning, only about a quarter mile away, and I'm like, he's still in this area. You know, he's bedded mm-hmm. in this area. I'm just gonna go up high and try to find him. So I started working my way up the uh, up the mountainside, and I actually bump him. He's like two draws over, and he's probably about as the crow fly. You know, it's you know, rage fighter would hit him at about four hundred yards away, and I just start cow calling, doing a series of different cow calls. Got behind a tree, and uh, and sure enough, all of a sudden he started coming back, and uh, I ended up, you know, long story short, I ended up calling that bull into sixty yards, and he played the script perfectly. The only place he could go to get me an actual shot, he went to it, and uh, it was the weirdest experience i pulled my bow back and i mean i practice out to 100 you know so like a 60 yard is pretty much not a chip shot but it's a very comfortable shot for me i pulled my bow back i couldn't even see through my peep sight my adrenaline was going so bad i literally my eyesight was blurry and i'm like i'm squinting and like moving my head off the peep back on you know looking at my you know my bubble making sure my bow is level going back to my sights and you know at this point now he's pretty much staring right at me and I just let one rip, you know, I set up a prayer and I mean, it hit him. And, you know, looking back, it's like, should I have taken it? Should I not have? But, you know, I did and I'll own it, you know? And when he turned, I saw three quarters of my arrow just sticking out of him. And it's just like, that was shoulder. Um, yeah. and I knew it. Um, he, he went, I actually got whipped my phone out real quick and videoed him leaving. And, um, and I could tell on there that he was, you know, one of the biggest things, that I knew he was okay was he went right, I mean, straight, straight up. up, I mean, probably a 35 degree angle slope right up top. And he kept going higher and higher. 
And then after about 45 minutes, he actually walked above me about 200 yards also, and I got a glimpse of him. And, uh, and he was walking pretty good. I mean, he wasn't, you know, head down or nothing. You couldn't tell. He wasn't sick, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I started tracking him and uh, lost blood after, like, 75 yards. I mean, it was – and it was dark muscle blood and, you know, but – um, so I got on a trail that he was, that I figured he was about 200 yards above me and I followed that up and, uh, I come around, I'm about probably about a half mile from where I actually had hit him now at this point. And I'm just trying to find these canyons where he's like, you know, if I did hurt him, is he going to be bedded down? Can I find a bed? See what, you know, just do a little bit more investigating on where, what I did there, which probably, you know, wasn't maybe the smartest thing, but, um, just cause you know. You should just let them lay, but I was excited, you know. It's like yeah. maybe yeah. did I get along, maybe I didn't, you know. And uh, so the second canyon I come across, it's starting to get dark. It's about seven o'clock, and all of a sudden, like I look, and it's like, man, that's an outline of a bear, you know. I'm like, and we had seen a bunch of black bear at this point. Yeah. We'd seen I think three or four different ones, and uh, I put my binos up, and I'm like, holy crap, that's a freaking grizzly bear, you know. You could see the hump on his back, <laughs> big old head. 40 yards. 40 yards. I mean, but he's in like this dark area behind, you know, and it's kind of the light starting to fade. So it's just like all of a sudden he was like 40 yards away. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. The only thing I worried about at that point was just getting out of there and pulled my pistol, just slowly backed away, you know, didn't make any sudden movements and kind of went right around the corner where he couldn't see me. And I just booked the hell out of there. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I was just like, you know. I was like telling my my mom about the story a few days. Did you get a picture? I'm like, heck no, I didn't get a picture. I'm just trying to live. No, I saw plenty. The grizzly, you know, I don't need a picture to tell me that. Um, But, uh, and then the next day we did the due diligence. So we went back in there the next day. You know, we started from where the shot was. We tracked him. My dad came with. We had three of us in there, you know, and we tracked him till, you know, most, I mean, halfway through that day just to make sure that. I didn't. I didn't kill that elk. And we, even after we lost blood, we went up and down the mountain. We went actually on the other side. Casey went up and over. Yeah, we did everything we could to try to find that. And there was no way. No. Like you could just. There was no way that elk was dying. That was no. not a no. a lethal shot by any means. And and you'll see. I mean, on you know, if you're going out for the first time, an elk shoulder is the toughest thing. I mean, they have done so many studies of people mm-hmm. like what kind of bow weight can you draw and arrow grain weight can you do to like get through an elk shoulder you can't do it i mean yeah. there's guys shooting 600 grain arrows out there that at pulling 80 pounds and they're not even poking through that we'll just have to get you to shoot so. broadheads. yeah yeah maybe i will be switching some broadheads which yeah no. but uh yeah so i mean that's kind of where we found out that and that's where we decided that we were going to spike camp in that area because yeah. that's where we were just seeing I mean, tons of elk, and I mean, I, I wasn't with you that day because we split up that day too. Yeah, we but. split up. Well, that was yeah, that was the first day we split up. Yeah, and then that's when, like, once it hit two thirty in the afternoon, like I heard all this bugling, and I I kind of sat there for like a half an hour, forty five minutes, and I'm like I can't take this anymore. It's just like turkey hunting. Yep. As soon as you hear a gobble, and if you know they're not coming, you just you have to take action. Yep. Mm-hmm. They weren't moving like that. You could tell they were moving around the area, but like after that forty five minutes, I'm like I'm gone. I ended up going like two and a half miles. I had an arrow knocked because I thought they were a heck of a lot closer than what they actually were. And halfway to getting to that area, I actually bumped a really good bull um, that he never, you could tell he wasn't one of those bulls that was bugling, but ended up getting to that area. And then, um, yeah, and 
after we found it. I got back to base camp that night yep. and heard that he arrowed one. And then I'm like, well, dude, I found an, an epic spot. And, you know, if we don't, if we're not able to get to it and spend the whole day there, we'll just spike camp or whatever. So, and then once, oh, geez, I don't even remember. Everything clashes together. I guess so that was, bad. yeah, that was two days later we spike camp because then we, yeah. the next day we looked for my bull my dad came with. We ended up doing like 11 miles that day. Yeah. I mean, just hiking around. We actually had that calf that we were. I had, I had a calf at like, what, 30 yards? Oh, 30 yards. Side. We messed around I this thing for like an hour. I'm like, I'm like looking over at Dan, I'm like, is that a calf? And I'm, I'm like. like yeah, that's a it's calf. Like, don't yeah. don't like, shoot nah, it. I'm not shooting My it. dad's like, shoot it, shoot it. You know, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, Josh, like, dude, you're, no. you're not going to be happy with that. Do not do not pull the trigger. So then he actually, that, that calf left. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I dropped back and I start, like, cow calling and and bugling. And the, and the stupid thing came back. <laughs> so then my so then I was, like, up to back, kind of. So, like, I'm standing where he was and I'm just looking. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a calf. Yeah. So he left. he leaves again. So the third time he comes back, then my dad was going to maybe shoot it, you know. And my dad yeah. doesn't really care much. He's a total meat hunter, too, you know. And no. um, and my dad was, like, have to. He was going to shoot it. But it was, like, 45 minutes later. We're just screwing with this thing. Yeah. And then finally my dad was just like, okay, let's just go find a real bull. Yeah. And he just kind of jumped out from behind the tree, spooked it away. But if he would have <laughs> waited, like, another, like, probably 15, 20 minutes, that thing would have worked right into, like, 20 yards of him. Oh, but, yeah. but he was, we were like, all right, let's move on. So... <laughs> Yeah, and then the next day is when we uh, spike camped, I think, yeah. the next day after that. Yep. Yeah, so we basically um, just got everything ready uh, the next morning to go and actually spike camp in an area. And uh, basically, I led the way. Yeah, and yeah. You had an idea. You knew that area because Joshua was farther back in there than yeah. I was. So I'm just like, you know, let's just, wherever you think we should spike camp, let's just and go we do needed, it. we needed to be around water because we needed water. Yeah. yeah. You know, that was the biggest thing. is, And there was a creek. That I knew about, but wasn't on our Onyx map. It wasn't marked. So um, Dan kept questioning. He's like, are you sure there's water there? I'm like, yes, there's water. So we got back to that area, and we set up camp, and um, just kind of went from there. And I don't, did we hunt? We hunted that afternoon we a little bit. Afternoon, yeah. 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 Uh, but, yeah, we came up with a game plan. Um, actually, the bull that I wanted to go after, Dan was wanted to go after so I don't know if you really knew that. <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, but I, I was figured. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You go but it was there. closer. I didn't want to walk that far. Yeah. So. <laughs> salesman. Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, I'm like, fine. You go over there because there was another bull bugling, probably another mile away from where, yeah, yeah. maybe a half mile. And I'm like, I'll go up over there. And my plan is, I kind of wanted to play it a little because I kind of wanted to play a little more conservatively, I guess, because a lot of things, a lot of the calling stuff didn't really seem to be working a whole lot it did that one one yeah, day yeah the bulls were not they weren't responding to the bugles yeah it was actually the weirdest year for us because i mean and josh will get into it but we, we saw so many bulls that didn't have any cows with them yet yeah. i mean it's like late september and they didn't even have cows with them i mean yeah. we saw even some bulls with other bulls and no cows which is like really weird yeah I mean, almost bashed her up, but yeah, um, yeah. So it was like it was just odd. They just didn't want to fight. They weren't in a mood to fight yet. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So like, I guess once we came up with a game plan, like Dan was gonna go over in one spot, and I was gonna sit in the, or go up in the area uh, of this other, uh, you know, different mountainside or whatever. Um, basically, we got up the next morning. There were bulls bugling already, yeah. <laughs> and we kind of hit the trail and. Um, so 
I guess we'll start with my haunt that yeah, that day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so basically, once we left, and uh, I hadn't had my coffee yet, so I got into this one area. <laughs> I got into this one area that was kind of like a big ditch, and I'm like, I'm just gonna sit in here. He didn't have his coffee yet because he forgot his coffee that no, first day. I had my coffee. You did? Oh, it was okay. just wasn't made yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. I was like, I'm just going to sit down in this ditch and just make my coffee quick and just kind of listen, you know? <laughs> so I get into this ditch, and I'm, like, messing around with my backpack, and all of a sudden I look up, and, like, a few hundred yards away, I can see this elk on the side of, you know, the mountainside that I was going to go up to. And so I ended up glassing it, and it was a big it was a big cow, you know? She was uh, pretty big. I definitely would have pulled the trigger on that if I would have <laughs> if I would have gotten the opportunity. So I'm watching her, and... I could hear a bull bugling on the other side of this mountain. So I'm like, all right, once this cow gets into an area where I know she's not going to be able to see me, because I was in the wide open. There was no cover. And um, once she got behind some trees, I decided to just kind of jot down and go up to the area that I wanted to go. And um, I ended up finding, like, a bunch of wallows. So I'm like, okay. And they were all pretty, you could tell that they were being worked too, just like kind of where Dan was sitting um, two days before that. And I did a little calling there, didn't get any responses. And then I made my way halfway up and I sat there for probably 20 minutes. And then I'm like, well, out there, what a lot of people here don't realize are thermals. So that's another huge thing uh, about hunting out there is you get to learn about the thermals and how they work. By that time, where I was sitting, the thermals were going up. So if any elk or anything got above me, they would have smelt me and never had a chance. So I decided to go all the way to the top to the tree line. And um, I, that's where I sat. And behind me where I sat was sage grass and then a rock cliff, basically. And I found a trail that was uh, looked like it was being used pretty good so I'm like I decided to sit 20 yards above that trail and I got set up probably around by this time it's 11:30, and I was sitting at about 8200 feet and um I was just sitting there I was texting my wife because it's like the first first time in like two days I had reception so I was just checking in and um probably after about 45 minutes of sitting there I could hear something running through the like just running i didn't know i couldn't tell which direction it was coming from well all of a sudden here are six mule deer that come flying up next to me and they got like 20 yards from me and then they caught my wind and then bolted down the mountain as soon as they got into this wooded patch all of a sudden i could hear and see like this big brown mass coming up the mountainside so i'm like at first i thought it was a grizzly bear chasing these mule deer so i'm like oh no like <laughs> this isn't gonna be good well, here it ended up being seven bulls um, <laughs> running through the timber, and there were three really nice bulls, and then like a four-point, and then three spikes. Um, so they made their way through there, and I just kind of sat there for a while yet, and kind of thinking like, should I try to go after them, or what do I do? Because it's like, dang, like, that's seven bulls that just went running through, and you didn't get a chance at them, you know? So they probably got like 50 yards from me, and even if I tried to stop them, the timber was so thick, I don't even think I would have been able to get a shot. So, like, I don't know, I'd say 15, 20 minutes go by, and I hear running again next to me. And then here's a really great, like, 5x5 five five or 6x6, six six, and he comes running over the ridge um, where the same area the mule deer came from. And he got, like, 40 yards, 
and uh, caught my wind and bolted down. And had I stayed five feet lower, I might have been able to stop him to get a shot at him, but it just didn't work out that way. So um, kind of kicking myself a little bit for that, but it is what it is. And But as soon as that elk hit the tree line, all of a sudden I look, and here comes another elk, and it was my the spike I shot. I'm like, oh, heck yeah. And then once I realized he was taking the trail into my area, the trail that I was sitting above, I'm like, all right, here we go. We got an elk coming. I'm like, it's a spike. To me, I didn't really care. This was my first chance at an elk, and I was going to be happy with whatever. Well, except you would have asked if you would have asked him a week earlier. Oh, would yeah. Would you shoot a spike? It was like, eh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was really iffy on shooting a spike, even a cow. Honestly, yeah, you were. Yeah. Because I was just so dead set on shooting a like a good bull, you know. Because that's obviously like that's an elk hunter. Dream, dream, yeah, basically. Yeah. You go out there, like, you just want to shoot a bull, you know? Yeah. As soon as I seen that spike, I'm like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> he got halfway across, and I, I was, I'd already drew back. I had my reed in my mouth ready. I had a second arrow sitting on my backpack just in case I could do a follow-up shot or if I missed or whatever. This elk came in 20 yards, and I, Kyle called him a couple times, and I'm gotten to stop. Perfect quartering away shot. I released the arrow and smoked him. Just you could just hear that sound that you knew it was a good hit. And he ran 20, 30 yards. I put another arrow in the bow, but he was behind two trees and I couldn't get a shot. But what he was doing, I knew it was it was a good hit. I knew he wasn't gonna last long. He started stumbling and then he bolted down, and then I never seen him come up out of this. Basically, it was a where he died or where he expired was a, a springtime runoff where all the snow yeah. melts and it's just steep and gnarly and rocky and I never seen him come up. But as soon as that bull went down, I seen two more bulls coming up and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, so by this time, this is 13 bulls. That. Yeah. By this oh, time, it's 13 bulls I've seen in like an hour and a half. That's crazy. And they were all within shooting distance, but it's just, you know, every scenario was different. So it just didn't work out. So, I had a general idea after I got, I guess after I, I shot that elk, um, I let him go for probably about half an hour, even though I knew he was, it was done. I knew where Dan was hunting. I sent him a text. I arrowed, I arrowed one. That's yeah. what I sent him. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we're going to get back to Josh's day. Cause oh, I, so we went hunting that day and, uh, and so I had gone to this different area. I got to this bull that we I had actually been chasing for a few days. Yeah. I'd seen him a couple of times. He's a real dark antler, but he's only like a four point. But it was, and I had him at eighty three yards for forty five minutes, like clear broadside through the trees. But it, you know, after I had missed or hit that one and not killed it at sixty, there was no way I was taking an eighty three yard yeah. shot. You know, um, if I hadn't done that, I probably would have tried. But um, you know, it still is with you. I mean, I, I mean, if you bow hunt long enough, you're gonna wound something and you're not gonna like it. And, but you got to get over it and uh, and just and just keep going and knowing that you did everything you could and stuff. But I wasn't going to take that shot. Um, I went to a completely different area, uh, probably about another mile away, and I had, was in. I had a spike at like twenty yards, couldn't get a shot on it, and I would have killed it. Um, <laughs> I would have shot it if I had the opportunity. Um, I had another six by six at like eighty, couldn't get him to stop, and I had another. Uh, five point at probably 
30 through some real thick stuff and saw like seven other cows. Yeah. And so I'm working my way back from that area because I'm like four miles, four really hard miles back to camp. And I get high enough. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to check my phone. So I check my phone. Boom. You know, text from my wife and text her back and boom, text from Josh. I arrowed one. That's all it is. Like, nothing else. Like, I didn't send, a, my didn't send them my location. Is it a good hit? Like, yeah. just, didn't I arrowed me. one. And I'm so I'm scrambling trying to call him, you know, but at this point he and got... I tried, and I did try calling you. He got that, right? but he didn't leave a voicemail. Like, he didn't oh. say, hey, man, like, here's my well, I'll remember that for next location. <laughs> I mean, what was the game plan, guys? I mean, you said you didn't have service for two days, and this is the first time you had service. What the heck was the game plan anyway, you know? <laughs> Well, our game plan was if one of us shot something, we would try to get close enough to the to the area that they were in and just bugle three times. Right, right in a row. row. Right in a row. Three loud bugles right in a row. That was our plan. It didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> <laughs> it did not work. When you hear it, you think like, man, that's going to carry for miles. Yeah. And then when you're actually out there... You know, and it was it was windy that day. Yeah, and the thermals were really strong. So yeah, it was just yeah, it just Dan was work. this way, and the thermals and the wind were going. And I and out. and I ended up going like another mile, yeah. mile and a half, in a complete opposite direction of where I originally had started. So and I, I mean, had that in the back of my mind too, like knowing Dan, he's not going to sit. In one spot. <laughs> I don't. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm not even. I probably, I probably walked about half mile three quarters of a mile just to throw out some bugles never heard anything i'm like you know what it was 115 when i shot that bull and i'm like i'm gonna take the daylight to my advantage and so that way we're not messing around with this at night like you said we are in grizzly country so anything can happen pretty yeah much. so mm-hmm. i went back to the went back to my elk um you know i had found him already before uh before i went and looked for him to make sure he was down not that i was just going to get a dan and all of a sudden and we can't find him but i mean what are you using because you didn't have service from your cell phone or, or at least spotty at best you have a gps handheld gps in you or something or what was it so was onyx it? maps was our gps basically okay. um yep. but like my mistake on this was i didn't send dan my location and instead of don't just tell your hunting buddy yeah, you yeah. arrowed one yeah. like give a little more detail yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pro tip number three yeah yeah whatever and and reason number there's there's been a few pro tips in here that we should probably cover pro tip number one like number one you will never ever ever fit um like um what i'm trying to say here overcome an elk's sense of smell oh yeah no matter what they're like you know white tail hunting we can spray down with scent killers and things like that you know in some instances you can get yeah yeah, downwind but yeah but that was in there, like, you know, that was just kind of going through some of these pro tips. We I know. Missed. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should cover back, but that's yeah. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And Onyx Maps is our GPS. You can yes. actually um, download maps. A lot you of people can, don't realize this. Yeah. So you can download them, and then you use them offline. Online. Yep. And your GPS on your phone still works in airplane, in airplane mode. mode. Okay. So, and having your cell phone in airplane mode, I mean, I would get about three days off of my cell phone. Um, and then you have backup chargers because, yeah, when I first hunted, I had, like, Garmin's and stuff. And, I mean, those are pretty much almost dinosaurs. Don't I mean, yeah. Yeah. as a new hunter, don't even waste your time buying no. a 
Garmin, you know, any type of a GPS system, just run run your phone, run Onyx, and you'll be fine. Um, if you do want to spend something as far as communication, there's a uh, Garmin makes a product called Enreach, and it's actually basically Bluetooth to your phone, and you can send text messages and things like that no matter where you are. Um, and that works pretty good. I, we don't have it. I, you know, probably next year. That's probably one of my things this next year is to get one of those. Um, but if you do want to, you know, if you, you know, have a spouse or somebody that really wants to like make sure you're in communication, or if you're doing a solo hunt, it's probably very important to have a product like that where you can reach out to somebody at yeah. all times. But yeah. yeah. So you got your all <laughs> down, Josh, and then did you just quarter yours out, or do you, did you debone it, or how'd you all get it? So <laughs> I quartered. Since I was by myself, if I had a second set of hands, I probably yeah. would have just spent the time to debone it because it, it's more time. Yep. But my mentality was like, okay, this is the first time. Like, I know how to process. Like, we do all of our own meat processing and all that stuff, so I know how to break down an animal. And I think that's one really important thing uh, before you actually go into a hunt like this is knowing how to break down an animal by quarters, back straps, inner loins, um, how to do the gutless method on um, on an elk or any western game basically um, so yeah basically I got back to my elk um, took my pictures and everything whatever and then got to work and as I'm quartering out this elk I could hear more bugling like two miles away and I go and look and here's 15 elk running across the next mountain range over oh, it was damn. just insane <laughs> and there were two like really big bulls in that group and they're just screaming i'm like oh this elk couldn't really have expired in the best i mean it was the best area that it could have expired it was in a the steep drainage but it was down everything was basically downhill from where this bull had expired and uh so i started quartering it out got everything all banked up it took me about two hours by myself to break down the animal and then um that's just the quartering and, and stuff that wasn't i mean obviously now that i've done it i could probably do it a lot faster but um and then i took all the quarters i took a hind quarter and a front shoulder and then the scrap bag and then i took it down probably about a half mile from the top to the bottom of the mountain so that way it was away from the carcass and then you know, we didn't have to go back towards the carcass if it happened to get, you know, late in the night or something where we'd have to go back up. And then we'd have to deal with bears or anything like that. So it took, I got, it took me two loads to get it down. And then the last load I took down, well, actually when my bull tumbled down, it actually broke his spikes off too. So oh boy. <laughs> on the last load, I was like, I got to find these spikes because there's somewhere around here. And it took me about five minutes. I ended up finding them. So I'm like, okay. Now I feel really good. I found his spikes. I took, you know, I ended up taking the head with me so I could do a euro mount of my first elk. Um, but yeah, so the last load I, I put on my back and pulled out the trekking poles and down the mountain I went. And where I shot this bull to where our spike camp was was two miles. And then for where our spike camp was, it was about three and a half, four miles yeah, from to base our, camp to our base camp. So we were. I was easily six miles from base camp. So I'm glad I sent Dan that text. I wish I would have sent him more info on what, after I shot my bull. But, 
But it worked out really good. It did I work mean, out really. I yeah. think it actually worked out better. Probably, that way. probably did because I wasn't trying to find him. So I basically, yeah. when I got that, I'm just like, we weren't wasting time. Yeah. finding each other. Right. Yeah. So I basically and time I'm, out there when you're dealing with an animal on the ground is important. Like you need that time. I'm basically like, I'm just gonna go back to camp. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna make my way back to camp. Like there's plenty spike of spike camp. Yeah, the spike camp. I'm like, there's plenty of time to hunt, but yeah. you know, he's got a bull based on that text, you know. I know Josh is a good shot, so I'm like, it's probably down, so we gotta like get this figured out. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go back to spike camp and I went back to spike camp and I literally just started bugling. Like mm-hmm. we had series of threes just to like make sure and he was actually on his way back from I probably I was first probably about load, a, yeah. a mile and a half mile from spike camp and I could hear him and I'm like oh, thank like thank goodness I can hear him. He's <laughs> back at spike camp. I threw out bugles so I, he knew I was coming. Yeah. And then I don't think I'd ever been so happy to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I got I saw him and I'm like I just started like smiling cuz I'm like Holy crap, that was yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, because all of a sudden I, like, look, and I see, because I heard him bugling, so I knew he was coming, and all of a sudden I, like, look, I'm like... Probably see two legs fly. I'm like, as part of my French, I'm like, holy shit, he did it. <laughs> He's got an elk down, you know? Like, there is meat in the back of a pack. I was so happy. I ran to him, like, how can I help? And we got it, you know, we got that load to, to the camp. To spike camp. And then there was... Figuring out a game plan, what we're going to do next. Yeah, so. so we were basically coming up with a, like, I think uh, the first idea was, where are we going to hang the meat at Spike Camp? But then I was like, well, let's just, even though it's going to suck, let's just get this thing out tonight. I mean, we're not going to be back to Spike, or to Base Camp until well into the night. So we ended up, that was that was the plan. So we left the meat yeah. off the trail that we were taking out. We left the, my backpack there and everything. We went back the two miles mile and a half two miles picked up the last load for him to take out um he only made about a half mile yeah this is ridiculous okay so if you've ever packed out an elk it's like it's heavy okay so i get there and i'm like okay you know you're happy you're excited you're thinking man i can do this so he throws we throw the two you know rear quarter a front quarter a back strap and some scrap meat on there and I'm like, I can do this. I put it on my back. I start walking like 100 yards. I'm like, there is no effing way I am doing this. Because <laughs> we were six we were six miles from base camp. Now, granted, it's mainly downhill, but it's a lot. I mean, we figured with that, we were at like 100 and probably 150 pounds a piece. I would say yeah. easily you know? 150 yeah. pounds a piece. I weigh a buck 60. You know, like, I, <laughs> like, that's a lot of weight. And it's not more so, now it is the weight, but you learn when you're packing an animal like that. It's the distribution of how the weight yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And when you have them on the quarters and you shove them in your bag, all that weight is at the bottom. And it's just, I mean, it's just killing you. So I, you know, I basically begrudgingly a little bit to Josh. I said, I said, Josh, we're deboning this. Like, there's no reason we need the legs, you know. I'm like, I said, if we're doing this tonight and we're doing this in one trip, which doing an elk in one trip is just kind of insane in general. I said, this sucker's got to be deboned. Even my grandpa thought it was crazy we got an elk out in one yeah, trip. Even deboned, yeah. He <laughs> elk hunted for like 25, 30 years. Yeah. And so Josh is like, I'm like, let's just, you know, let's just take the game bags. Let's just quick debone this. You yeah. know, I can get, you know, one bag at the bottom of the pack, one at the top, you know. Yeah. And, um, and we lost, I mean, I probably lost like 25 pounds of bone that I wasn't carrying. So it's still a lot of weight. But just by moving that, night and day. I mean, yeah. I couldn't go 50 steps without taking a break. And now I'm just, I mean, hauled back. So, yeah. um, but Josh didn't want to debone his though. No. Josh I was is like, more my, BA than I am, I guess. But. I just didn't want to spend more time, <laughs> you know, just 
I didn't want to take everything out of my backpack and just yeah. debone it or whatever. Plus, I had a plan with one of the hooves, so I'm like, I'm not going to break down my backpack just to debone one one uh, one quarter. So yeah. I <laughs> bit the bullet, and I just did yeah. it. And it was brutal. It was very yeah. brutal. So we, I was probably only able to go, like, 40 steps, maybe 50 yeah, steps. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe some, a some pretty good stretches in there. But, I mean, I, yeah, we knew. I basically had a target to get back to because we started – Basically, we got to that elk, loaded my pack. It was about 7.30. Yeah. And I figured it's going to take us till midnight yeah. to get back six miles, you mm-hmm. know. And um, by the time we got a quarter and stuff, we ended up getting back to camp at 11.30 that night. Yeah. So we did we did pretty good. But it was nice when we got there. It's like it's just done, you know, like yeah. the job's done. And, uh, but well, part of it's done. Part of it's done. I mean, the, we the still, hard part's done. Yeah, we still had to butcher it the next morning, but yeah. – um, yeah, and that yeah. So basically, my dad got up, made us dinner. We got to bed about one o'clock that Thank night. You, Bill. Yep, thanks, yeah. Dad. <laughs> and uh, next morning, so we got to bed about one. Woke up at seven, uh, breakfast, and then we basically started butchering it right away because we still had because that was a Wednesday. That was Wednesday. We still had like four days. Yeah, so we weren't planning on leaving till Sunday, so we still had several days, and it was getting into seventy degrees during the day. Um, so. My dad ran into town and bought a chest freezer because we had our generator with. And uh, so we're just because you can get and, and, you know, as far as for new hunters, the area you're going, if you get an elk early, if there's multiple guys going look around, sometimes you can call people and they got meat storage and they'll charge you. But the one guy that was in town, he was charging like 30 bucks a day. It's like, well, after four days, 120 bucks, it's like, well, you're halfway basically to a chest freezer. So. Like, so my dad just went and bought one and, uh, by the time he got back, we had most of it butchered and, um, we finished wrapping it and that thing was literally butchered, wrapped and done within 24 hours of him killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after we got it all processed and everything, we went right back out. Yeah. We didn't want to. He didn't want to. I was, even though I'm like, I was beat. Yeah. We we were, were we were dead, but, but I'm like, we got to get back out. We got to get out. So we basically were, you know, we left around three and we're just like, you know, the main goal is just to get back to spike camp so we can start hunting hard in the morning again. And, uh, yeah, so that basically, so that day we just kind of made our way in, hunted a little bit and, you we know, set off the wallows, set off the wallows, uh, the bull that, um, that I had the day before at 83 yards, he was still sitting up in that same spot. He always went between these two points and, so he didn't start bugling though until it was getting near dark. Yeah. And it's like, well, I ain't gonna hike all the way. I mean, we were just dead. So it's just yeah. like, you know, you get to a point where you're just okay, we'll just let him. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's been in the same two mountainsides for, you know, four days. So we knew where he was gonna be and Josh kinda he went to me and he's just like, Hey, I know you're probably not gonna like it, but the best game plan is there's a trail up high. That we had found that we'd found like two or three days like yeah. two days before that. And I had actually, um, the one day had an elk on that trail and it's like, they're going between these two mountains using this trail system. So it's like, sit above it 20 yards and sit all day, you know, sit them and hunt them like a whitetail and one comes by, just, you know, shoot it. And, and I was kind of like, man, my hunt is like getting a bull called into me 
to like you know and 20 knew, 30 yards knew, even though you agreed to do it i knew you i didn't, didn't want, want to, to but at the end of the day i also want meat in the freezer yeah. and after six years of not killing an elk i'm like i am not going home without an elk this year. like this is not an option and um plus your wife said that you weren't going out yeah 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 i love you honey yeah the ultimatum she did give me the ultimatum yeah. Yeah. like hey you gotta get one or you gotta take a year off and i'm like oh boy okay so yeah, so that was our game plan going into the next day. And um, so we woke up, you know, had bulls bugling, um, right like morning. right away in the morning, started making our game plan to basically which ridge we were going to go up. Um, before we got there, I basically was like, let me just throw out a couple cow calls, you know, we'll see what's what's going to answer. And uh, we, had a, we had two bulls bugle right away. One was up high, and then all of a sudden, a little later, all of a sudden one bugled, and he was pretty low. Yeah. And so we're kind of looking like, like he's down by the walls. Yeah. So we knew kind of where he was at and we're a little higher and the thermals were going up. So they were in our favor. And so basically Josh went back about 60, 70 yards yeah. and we just started doing sequences of cow calling. Like we were two, three, four cows, uh, in an area. And then, um, I had seen a bull kind of going up so i mean to set the scene a little bit so it's this knob that we're hunting below us was some wallows pretty good trails coming up and then it went um up back down back up yeah uh to kind of a meadowish area where we had come from and so i was kind of down low josh was up high and uh and all of a sudden i saw the bull was kind of going up the hill but i lost him right away and so i was just like okay well there's definitely a bull over there it had to be the one bugling but I figured he was coming around to get our wind. I got Josh's attention. He moved down a little bit lower because, you know, sometimes to really, as an elk hunter, you got to get in sometimes pretty close to get these bulls to commit to really coming in the cow calls. Yeah. Um, typically. <laughs> but as Josh was making his way down, he said, I see him. And he was probably 350 yeah, yards away easily. up in that meadow. And we just kept cow calling and, um, we basically, I mean, long story short, but we called him from that far in. Yeah. And so I figured the elk was going to try to come around and to just to wind us to see, um, you know, just because they really want to smell and see what's making that call. So I moved to a position to where if he would have come around to that north side, I would have a shot at him. Well, he ended up coming to the south. Yeah, the opposite. <laughs> the complete opposite. It's just like, are you kidding me? So I saw him. Well, so then all of a sudden we heard some noise as I was moving. I thought I busted him out of there. But all of a sudden, a little bit later, we heard another stick break that was very distinctive. Like, oh, wait, there's still something there. You could hear the, the yeah. antlers and he was raising. Yeah. And... Well, what we ended up hearing was if you get out into Montana, Idaho, oh, yeah. sometimes in Colorado, is beef cattle. There's beef cattle free yeah, range all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So um, the rancher got most of them down, but there's still some stragglers. And when that bull was coming in, he basically scared off a few of the beef cattle, and that's what we ended up hearing. And and all of a sudden, I kind of looked down to the south of where, you know, to the edge of the wallows. It's only about 60 yards, and all of a sudden I see a bull, you know, and he's raking and he's making his way, but there's this whole hanging branch, pine tree, that I couldn't get a shot. And other than that, I'm standing pretty much in a wide kind of open area, so I can't move at all. So I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? Josh is still up there doing these real soft cow calls. And I'm yeah, at, in I the just, back of my... Really, like, <laughs> and he can see this out. Yeah. Sometimes you got to bring it down to soft and sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. 
Yeah, because I'm sitting here and thinking his whole demeanor. in the back of my mind, like, Josh, shut the hell up. You know, he's right there. Like, I mean, elk are so good at pinpointing where oh, yeah. calls are coming from. Yeah. And if they don't see what it should be making the noise, they're out of there. And that's the whole time I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh, my gosh. How? I mean, he is like 50, 60 yards from Josh, and he's still making these cow calls. And I'm just like, it's just a matter of time before this bull's out of here. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, the bull starts making his way around the knob to the south to then come up to where Josh is. He's walking, like, straight to me. Yeah, and I'm but, like, but where I'm at, he's yeah. he goes around right. a little bit of a knob. Yeah, so, so Dan is probably, you're probably, like, what, still 50, 60 yards from me? From you, yeah, yeah. down below, yeah. yeah. Down so below. I'm at the same level now as the elk is, straight, straight across at 60 yards. So as that elk moves around that knob i'm just like it's make or break at this point and i just basically gun right towards him on the trail as quiet as i can and i get to the spot where it starts to go to a rise and then he's on the back that bull's on that back side josh is now straight up above me about 30 yards and i just look up to josh and he he's just he's just like he goes 3-0 get up here and i'm like He's 30 yards away, and you expect me to move? Like, he's going to butt. Like, you know, like, how is this going to work, you know? And so I was just like, well, I ain't going to shoot one where I'm standing because I can't even see him. And so sure enough, I start making my way to Josh, and I get, like, five steps, and all I see is his freaking body, you know? And uh, his front, his head and front shoulder were behind a pine tree, butt was behind another pine tree. So I kind of, you know, I didn't know the exact anatomy, but I'm just like, I'm just going to hug that tree as best as I can. Josh said he's 30 yards. I put my middle 30-yard pin on. I don't even to this day remember drawing my bow. Like, I look... As, like, as, as soon as I see him draw his bow, I'm like, oh, it's happening. Like, I just see, I just look, I see his body. I just, I mean, it was just an instinct. I already had my arrow knot because I knew we were, you know, in the heat of it, you know. And uh, I just let it rip. You know, I, all three pins were lined up on his body. I didn't have blurry vision. I mean, it was just like, like I didn't, I think it's just good because you don't have time to really think. You just react and all the practicing that you do all summer long, all the 3D shoots you do, everything just comes back and your body just takes over and just, it's just pull the all bow instinct. back, all instinct, all three pins were on my, let it rip. And it sounded just like you want, like you're hitting a pumpkin. And, uh, that was, I mean, I, I, that arrow was gone and i think i was running to josh right away yeah. like i told him i said i feel like uh like what was that super bowl whatever when brett farves got the helmet his hair yeah. <laughs> like that was me with the bow running up and i just tackled josh because yeah, it's like, like it just freaking happened like, it was the dream like it was he ended up being 28 yards and uh it was just it was just awesome yeah. and now now you could see him coming up so I mean, yeah I, from where i was i could see him once he got to a certain point i could see him coming up i had him broadside at like 40, 50 yards, I could have easily, of course, my tag was filled, so <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get a chance. And that was where he was, yeah. and I moved to an area where I yeah. couldn't shoot, so yeah. it's like, oh, man. And I was I was filming on my cell phone, but then all of a sudden I seen him, like, come around this pine tree, and then he's, like, looking up my direction, and I'm like, he's 30 yards, and I'm, like, looking right at this bull face-to-face, <laughs> and I'm like, and I actually had to, like, move <laughs> behind this big pine tree. Luckily, I had a big enough pine tree to hide my outline. Otherwise, that bull would have pinpointed me like, like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, so I would got behind that tree, and then all of a sudden I seen him kind of coming up, and then that's when I seen Dan come up, and then I'm like, dude, 30 yards, you know. It's like, yeah. It was... I never saw the arrow go in. I never saw him enter, but I just by the hear the sound, I knew it sounded good. So. And 
and and to be honest, I actually didn't even see it, and I don't know, and you know, and I think the emotions just take over because you know I felt it was so good and like everything, like it was the perfect hunt, you know, kind of thing. And like this is like epic. Like where was our film crew, man? This was awesome, know, you know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but. It's like, you know, I ran right up to Josh. Like, I, I literally was, like, going back, like, man, where was he actually? Where was I standing exactly? You know, to follow back and see where the shot was and stuff. And um, But it ended up working out. And so, you know, so it wasn't actually done there. So It was not even so done. We, um, so basically, we just hung out there for hour, hour and a half. An, well, we got to the spot. We at least got to the spot where the bull was standing standing because we wanted just, to make sure the yardage because yeah, we weren't yardage, yeah and we never heard him go up yeah so never we heard him crash we never even knew where he went yeah. so i'm like went see. out of sight instantly yeah just went out of sight couldn't down. hear him nothing so i'm like okay we need to sit here and let's just listen well it's a good thing we did that because probably about what maybe five minutes yeah 10 minutes maybe after he shot we heard something on the next point over, which was probably, I don't know, what do you think, like quarter mile, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Maybe not that far? Not that far, yeah. I mean, as far as the crow flies, maybe about yeah. 300 yards But it so, was, uh, yards. we heard like a cough. Yeah. So, we knew that... We figured at we that figured point... We figured that it had to have been at least a lung. Or at least, at least one. one, yeah. Because yeah. so. where he was, we figured that he was quartering away, just slightly, based on where I was standing, and it was a slight uphill shot. Yeah. on him and so you know that's the thing with bow hunting i mean anybody that's killed a whitetail you know until you actually have your hands on the animal you're like rethinking everything you know yeah. and now to this point you know i wounded an elk you know the first day you know so there is nothing certain to me until my hands are on that bull you know that he's dead so you start thinking man is it a good shot it's a bad shot good shot bad shot you know but just from the sound of it we're like it's got to be i mean it just it just felt so good but um so we gave him about an hour and a half, I think. We gave, we gave him an hour. Hour it was, the yeah. First time. Yeah, I was real anxious. I was like, yeah. Dan was, Dan, like, Dan had was to, very anxious. I mean, obviously I was anxious too, but Dan was very anxious. Yeah, I was like, man, I just, you know. And so at this point, I don't even know how big the elk is, to be honest. Like, I mean, I saw that he was a bull. That was good enough for me. Like, I didn't really care. Josh had seen him a little bit more. He's like, he's a good bull. You know, you're going to you're gonna be happy. He's like, he's like, like oh, I think he's, really a, he's like, I think he's a six point. And I'm like, really? Holy cow, you know? I'm like whatever, you know. <laughs> um, so we start we start making our way, find blood right away. Um, you know, blood looks pretty good. Um, so we just kind of make our way, and there were there were small bubbles in the in the blood. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, that's good because yeah, like a week before we went out, you shot your yep. buck, and there were bubbles in it. I'm like, and obviously you know, with previous shots and deer and stuff, bubble means lung. Yeah. So. So we go, we follow, you know, blood, 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 you know, all of a sudden the blood gets a little less, but then all of a sudden we bump him. Um, we get up over this point and we bump him. And as he's going, I don't know if you saw him at first. I didn't, I could hear him. Cause you were lower. Out, Cause yeah. we had lost blood actually, yeah, we um, which was kind of, so we had lost blood. So we're just like, well, he's staying probably on this main trail. So as we go, all of a sudden I'm like, Josh, he's right there. So he just basically, and he just walked away. We bumped him. He just walked. I mean, he yeah. didn't, you know, head down, you know, you could kind of tell he was hurting. And then he turned and I could see my exit. So I went to look for my arrow, um, just to see what the blood was like, you know, but it was a full pass through. Um, but when I saw him, you know, on the exit hole, I'm like, well, that's a lung. I mean, I definitely, you know, right behind the front shoulder, yeah. like, you know, that's a lung shot. And, uh, and he stopped at 81 yards 
super quartered hard. And I'm like, well, you know, you know, pro tip, if the elk's still standing, you keep flinging arrows. I mean, so <laughs> I, di- I dialed my, you know, my sight, 81 yards, and let one rip. And uh, I actually ended up shooting underneath him. We thought I hit him, but uh, it was like the longest shot. I mean, the arrow flight felt like it was like, I mean, just forever. <laughs> <laughs> ended up shooting just underneath him. But um, so we gave him another hour and a half. I think yeah. at that point, um, I got up, we got up high a little bit where we get some self service. I texted my dad, called my wife, you know, and, uh, Hey, say some prayers, make sure we get this thing down. And, uh, so we gave it, yeah, another hour and a half, start, start following that same, he was staying on the same trail and, and we bumped him. He started bleeding again, you know, so we followed blood, lost blood after about 75 yards again. Yep. And so we just kept following the trails, walking around, you know, basically we we're just like, let's just split up. You know, elk are pretty stinky animals. They stink. Terrible. Terrible. So <laughs> basically it's like, well, let's just get uphill. The thermals are going up. Let's just get uphill and we'll just like work our way down. Cause we figured, you know, just looking at Onyx maps again and like where elk like to live and bed and, you know, there's some pretty gnarly stuff. So we're like, he's probably bedded down in this area. And sure enough, you know, I start walking down. Josh is on the high side. And all of a sudden, I put my binos up. And I'm like, oh, there he's laying. Probably about 150 yards down. Now I can see the entrance hole. So the entrance is behind the shoulder, a little back. But it's like, well, I mean, he's got to be down. I think the way he was laying, too, also made it. Yeah, so I couldn't see see his head and stuff. And his legs were curled up underneath him. So I just start yelling to Josh, Josh, I found him, you know, and Josh, first thing out of Josh's mouth, make sure he's dead, you know, I put, he's dead, he's dead, I put my binos up, I'm like, he's not dead, all of a sudden he gets up and starts walking off again, it's like, and now this was two, it was, I remember looking at my phone, it was 2.23, now I shot him at 10 in the morning, okay, right, right, almost dead on the nose, 10 o'clock, and so I'm thinking four and a half hours, like, He's got one lung gone for sure. I mean, it's like, holy cow. So we give him another. Well, then I basically, we saw him kind of go up to this spot, and he was moving. By the time we got down there, he was still standing up at the top, only about 60 yards away. And um, so I tried to get another arrow in him, but couldn't, you know, just trying to finish him off at that point. Give him another hour and a half, two hours almost or something. All I I was saying, we just need to give him time. Yeah, he's going to die. That was the biggest thing. Like, the way he was reacting once you got him off his bed, time. That's all you could do is give him time. And with how slow he was moving, he wasn't going up, and he just seemed like he was staying at the same altitude the whole time. And I'm like, let's just let him go for a little bit. So we gave him more time. Then after, yeah, I think it was like an hour and a half, we waited again. Yeah, yeah again. So we went, you know, lost blood again, you know, followed the same contour. I went... I went the first time I passed him, I went up above him about 50 yards. Because then I went, dropped down a little bit, started coming back, and we bumped him a third time. And uh, it was just like, I mean, and I, I mean, I was probably 20 yards from him, and just all of a sudden he just got up out of these pines and, and went down, him. never seen him. Yeah. He jumped down to 40, about 40 yards from me, and I could see his antlers. This was actually the first time I got to like put my eyes yeah. out. I'm like, oh wow, that is a good bull, you know? Um, <laughs> So I saw his antler tips, and so I'm just like, he's just standing there. And it's like, well, I'm going to just try to sneak real slow. You know, the wind was picking up a little bit, so it covered my noise. And I was just watching his head. When he was turning away, I just kept creeping in a little bit closer. And uh, ended up getting to like 30 yards, but it was so downhill I couldn't, you know, the only shot I really had was like a spine. I, I didn't want to do that. And, you know, just trying to just 
you know, just end it, you know. It's just like I hate that, you know. And uh, he ended up just walking off, and it was like 5.30, and basically it was just I looked at Josh. I'm like, we just got to let him be. Every time we bumped and we looked at the Onyx map, he had gone as a crow flew 200 to 270 yards every single time. The three times we bumped him and bed down. And so we looked at the map, and we're basically, you know, we got down to the bottom where he was and where I had lost sight of him. And we just kind of creeped out of there because we're like, he's either going in these two draws that were to that were farther down, or he's going up to this other bedding area we'd found a few days before. And uh, you know, we're like, let's just go back. We'll get you know get the cavalry, you know, and uh, we'll just come back in the morning. And um, came back the next morning, and he uh, literally we found him. He was like 230 yards from where we last seen him, and he went up near that bedding area and bedded and expired up there. And he never even made it up to the bedding area. Yeah, he didn't even make it. He made it about halfway and just bedded, and he was bedded right in the open. Um, yeah. And uh, so my biggest thing was like, where the heck did I hit him? You know, I mean that was the biggest thing going through. And when we, you know, as you know, took our pictures, and I mean, it was so cool because my dad was actually the one that found him, um, and which was I was super excited about because. Yeah. You know, my biggest thing was always, you know, wanting to shoot with my dad and stuff. And, you know, always, you know, I was trying to get him maybe to come out by, you know, should I have my dad come out and help us track or, you know, but he, we couldn't really get a hold of him anyway. And, uh, so with him coming back, you know, my dad found him, you know, he started screaming that, you know, he found him. My dad made sure he was dead, you know, and, um, he, he was, th- no, he didn't pull the Dan. No, he, no. he, he, he saw him laying up there, uh, about a hundred yards and said, he just kind of worked his way around and he knew that he was, he was expired. And so I was a little ways away and he started yelling that, Hey, I found him. And, and I come over and I turned the corner and I saw him. I just, I started bawling, man. I was just like, this is like, I mean, this was, it was everything. And, uh, took our pictures and we start, you know, so I'm just like, you know, what, where the heck did I hit this thing? So as we butchered him up, basically we figured I nicked his lung on the right side, went through his liver and out his other lung. I mean, double lung liver shot. And he probably, I mean, he was still pretty warm inside. Yeah. I mean, we figured he, I mean, probably. 12, 14 hours after I had shot him before he actually expired. I mean, that's how tough these elk are. I mean, it's just crazy. Liver and lung, and I mean, it was nuts, but. It is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, at least you guys had the cavalry on the second pack out and all the other good stuff. And (laughs) Andy went, it was only like two miles from. So by the time I actually shot him, the the only positive in it, you know, I wish he would have died faster, but the only positive is he went about a mile closer to camp and went from the top to the bottom. So, <laughs> so <laughs> he was, was he was literally camp. like 150 yards off the main trail that we walk in. So pack out was like, I mean, two miles, miles, piece of cake. It was just in and out. So that was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, gentlemen, I mean, you had one heck of a hunt out there in Idaho, and you made me jealous. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I can't speak for Dave, but. I think Dave's already budgeting. I saw him, you know, on so. his uh, on his bank first national, going. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we like, oh, December first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, well, thank you very much, guys. And I mean, we'll have to. If you guys have any questions about DIY hunting, these two gentlemen are obviously they've experienced it. You can ask us on, on Instagram. We'll get some pictures and some maybe some videos from you guys being out there hunting. Um, and we'll post it up on our Instagram and Facebook as well and, and post the pictures in the video of the podcast and all that good stuff. But other than that, I mean, thank you. Thank yeah, you very much. Absolutely. Oh, Thanks thank for having us. Yeah, thank you awesome. very much. Yeah. This is Avid Outdoors. <laughs>